to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the names you know. This is the day I died. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. We are back once again after what was a uh, simultaneously the longest week ever and also the shortest week ever. Just some amazing, amazing weird shit happened in uh, soccer and then some uh, uh, amazing shit happened here. If, if you know, obviously, if you're following Minnesota, uh, Derek Chauvin was found guilty of all three charges. That was a sort of a big collective weight that was lifted off of the city for a lot of us uh, who are concerned that he wouldn't be found guilty uh, of all three or especially not the, the most heinous one. So uh, I just want to check in guys. How, how are you both doing um, after all that? And then a piss poor display from, from Minnesota against RSL on Saturday. I'll just start with saying that the recent uh, police shootings around the country, there's few of them, which I know of, that have happened since the the Chauvin verdict, um, either on the day of or after, they're not giving me a lot of confidence that the police are taking, or mayors or city council members are taking the right steps in this reforming law enforcement thing. So yeah, that that's super disappointing, and less disappointing but still disappointing are Minnesota United. Indeed. Dan? Uh, yeah, I I was shocked that he was found guilty on all three charges. I was really, I, I had very high hopes for the manslaughter charge. I thought that was sort of the, the dead-ass minimum. I really thought the third degree murder was a, um, a very good probability. But as I was trying to put myself in someone else's shoes, trying to think through how a juror would see this, it's like, I Man, that second degree charge. But they came, they they got him on all three, and I am deeply grateful to the jury for the work they did and how quickly they did. I think we were all well served by them ripping that out in less than 24 hours, as opposed yeah. to prolonging this for, you know, three weeks or something like that. So yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to the appeals, but I at least for the moment the right decisions were made. And I think we can all be grateful for that. Right. Right. And uh, we did see all the Minnesota teams come out with some sort of statement. So that was, that was good. Um, much better than a lot of the, like the Vegas Raiders statement and the NHL oh statement, gosh. which were, we don't need it. We don't need to spend a lot of time oh, discussing like, it, but they were just real, real fucking bad. The NHL and the Vegas ones were the worst. I, I just, I just retweeted after you, you listened to Nancy Pelosi's speech and was like, whoever, whoever wrote that speech should be writing their resignation letter right now. It was just, it was absolutely terrible. There was some really bad, bad um, stuff from people that are, you know, should know better uh, that came out um, it, just in terms of tone deafness, right? Like not even bad and like a, a bad, you know, they disagreed with the decision, just like very, very tone deaf and very, very much not reading the room. 
I feel that uh, Jacob Frey could oh. have a few more conversations with his mayor across the river, um, who whose dad dad was a police officer, and he's you know yeah. Jacob Fry is too busy like, ziplining across the Mississippi River. So I mean, just just talk with someone and listen. Maybe I. Oh gosh, yeah. so All disappointing right. to me from Minneapolis right now. On the other end of the spectrum, you guys know who had an incredibly good statement against all odds? The Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. The Toronto Blue Jays had a great statement. I sat there and I was like, wait, seriously? Well, that's wonderful. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. More, I mean, more power to them. But like, I, that would not have been my guess for like, hey, who's a team that actually puts out a meaningful statement that like actually has a little bit of spine to it? Like, I, I would not have volunteered the Canadian baseball team. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's was, was okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but they also didn't screw it up. Like they did some of them other messaging immediately after, um, George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin. So, um, let's move on. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about some other disappointing news. Um, that is Minnesota United playing uh, soccer again, uh, which is not something that we expected before the season started. We expected this to be a, a ray of sunlight. Oh, one last thing I want to say before we jump into that. Um, if you were a Patreon, actually, if you're not, I, I threw it on, I threw our, our conversation. So we, after we recorded our, our main podcast last week, that got audio, all got all messed up on that it took me forever to figure out. Um, thanks to MJ for pointing out that his audio was just like delayed from when he jumped into the, to the conversation. Um, I was able to re re put out the podcast. I also put out, I just, for shits and giggles, for those of you who are a Patreon and you can go to patreon.com slash Dave's I know to help get some stuff like this is we put out a basically about a 25, 26 minute, um, just you know, our discussion about the Super League, how much it sucked, how much we hated it, all that. I, I got that uploaded uh, Tuesday at like noonish. By four o'clock, it was basically the whole thing was fucking dead. <laughs> like literally had blown up. Chelsea pulled out. City had pulled out. All the rest of the EPL teams had pulled out. Uh, basically, the only ones who were still there were uh, Barcelona and and. Um, nominally Real Madrid and Juventus um, even the the Milan clubs had had said no so probably the most dated thing that we've ever recorded in less than 24 hours so kudos on us boys for for getting that done because 24 hours I later our, that was fast. yeah so um, if you want so I, I decided to throw it up just for everybody to listen to uh, if they wanted to on the the main feed on Thursday that was we, we're gonna do that anyways we're gonna put it up like on Friday um for people assuming that this thing would still be going on um however it was not so it's a very it's not a very timely podcast but you might get a you might get a kick out of it anyways so well and the we, crazy have, we have feelings we have feelings we and opinions about this shit we absolutely did and the crazy thing is it, as dead as it is it's not because the spanish clubs and the italian clubs are still saying that it's happening and they're going to try to enforce the contracts around it so this thing is is it's certainly not alive. It doesn't appear to be dead. It is shambling through Europe like a zombie. Which is all we've ever wanted for Spanish and Italian soccer. <laughs> uh, ever. All right. So um, to get awesome stuff like that, um, to get uh, some of our awesome, super awesome beers that we're going to be releasing, um, uh, Christian and, and the, the Hop Clubs just put out the label for the red card rye, which is a, a, a looks like it's going to be an amazing beer. I think Christian said it was um, like a 10.8. Um, so it's going to be very, 
very boozy uh, rye IPA um, called Red Card. So if you haven't yet, uh, get on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Daves I know. Uh, it helps support the days that you know if you jump in this month at six dollars uh we will build i will hook you up with this first beer um if you get at three dollars a month level um you know going forward you'll get the next beer and the the remaining beer as long as you stay as a three dollar a month level uh subscriber if you want to get this first beer you can jump in at six bucks a month you can always edit it down to three dollars a month after uh, after the first no no uh, don't tell them that whatever but uh well you, you shouldn't but you always can uh, so we, you know, we, we work with Christian, we help pay for the things like the bottles and the, all the stuff. So this is a, this is not a, just a labor of love from him. Uh, we're helping out and, and supporting hop clouds as well. So, I mean, it is a labor of love. They're, they're basically charging us the, the cost on this stuff, but it's not a, it's not something that's totally free. So that's, there's a reason why we, we want everybody to, you know, to contribute a little bit to the Patreon. So patreon.com slash Dave's I know it helps support the Dave's that, you know, the plan is to release this officially on the 8th of, of May. Um, uh, though at the Blackheart pre the Minnesota United Colorado Rapids match. Um, and the idea would be that we'll have there, we'll be there a few hours before the game for a couple hours. People can swing by, you know, show us, you know, you, you tell us your, your name and email and, and, um, get signed off and, and grab a beer and either stick around and watch the game at Blackheart or, you know, head home. Um, if you need to the beer, um, you know, probably should can sit for a little bit. So you don't need to pick it up right away. If you can't pick it up, we'll figure out a way to, uh, to do get a delivery or, or get it dropped off or, or meet up somewhere. So um, be on the lookout for, if you are a Patreon member, be on the lookout to your emails for that. So, all right, um, let's jump in. We have to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it for very long if we don't want to, because man, that was a, a really crappy game. Minnesota United won RSL two. Uh, firstly, uh, MJ, you and I were at the game. Yeah. Um, do we maybe want to talk about, you know, the let's talk about like the actual like getting to the game, all the the stuff that Minnesota United was doing to make people feel safe and all that. Cause I think I think they did uh, a very I would say a pretty good a, a pretty good job about making sure um that people were were safe and and respecting the rules and things like that. And and nothing felt overly crowded. I felt more crowded at the black car yeah. before the match than I did at the at the, the, the game. choke points being the entrances. Rather than having like three or four metal detector lines, they only had two. You know, rather than having three or four ticket representatives scanning your tickets, they only had two. So those lines were, were I thought, were appropriately spaced. Um, and that's important because those are, like I said, choke points. Those are funnel or choke points where you're getting a lot of traffic. Uh, I actually was really impressed. I heard stories of game day staff enforcing uh, mask policies when you were not eating or um, not in your seat, that sort of thing. So overall, game day yeah. staff security, I give them an A plus. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the atmosphere inside the stadium was, I thought, you know, in spite of, in spite of it being a, a significantly reduced crowd, was still really good. Um, so obviously, we started off the match with a, a nine minutes and twenty nine seconds of silence, uh, which uh, was mostly. Um, most people picked up on it uh, who are not in the Wonderwall or not sort of adjacent to the Wonderwall. I know the Wonderwall did a lot. They had done and the SGs had done a lot of promotion of it on social media to let people know. So if you weren't in the, in the Wonderwall section, you could let your, um, you know, people around, you know. Um, so I thought that was, that was awesome. It was really cool and really great to see as many people participating in that as, as possible. And everybody's really 
amped up to start cheering as soon as the game started. Uh, yeah. The, there was one person on our first corner that happened before that nine minute and 29 second mark. There was one person with maybe three people around them that tried to start a here you go, here you go, here we go, yeah. our, our corner chant, which I normally ascribe to mostly gray clouds. I don't know if, if Wonderwall does that anymore, but they were trying to get that going. And then I think uh, yeah, I think they do, but some yeah. ass hat in 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 a loja, as I was walking back from doing Kifo, tried to start an UFC chant, which did get, of course, a significant amount of, of play from from the sidelines. But for the most part, the Wonderwall section was yeah was silent. I remember that first one. It it, it got through like one chant of it, and then everybody else was just kind of like, "Shut the fuck up!" Like we're not chanting right now so yeah. i think ultimately like there's only so much you can do when you don't have number one you don't have capos number two the team did not let anybody everybody know that hey this is what wonderwall is doing you know right. we encourage you to support it and we encourage you to, to participate in it or not participate in this in this case um so there's only so much you can do with that um what was fun was seeing people that weren't clued in when that nine minute and 30 second mark hit and all the drums and the mn ufc chant from the wonderwall started the yeah. flags were waving people took notice yeah like so whether they got the reason behind the, the timestamp or not like there was definitely a oh all of a sudden something's different now right right and i thought that so, was important. yeah um yeah i don't know did how, dan you watched the game did, did yeah. could you could you tell that we weren't i mean obviously I watched I watched a little bit of highlights from the from the first half and for the first like eight minutes or so you can it's not as loud as it is like later in the game but I don't know if it was noticeable on the on the broadcast. Yeah, it it absolutely was. Um, <laughs> I think in order for it to be really noticeable, you did sort of need to know what Alian sounds like when it's full or when it was partially full when people were going. Um, it it sounded like you know like a Houston game basically right. where it was like wow there's <laughs> there's 12 people here and one of them's really drunk um right. but kudos to cal and kindra who did mention when the fans kicked in like okay this, this is why they had been quiet so there was a at least for the broadcast a little bit of context for it well, that's cool that's 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 wonderful so um, i heard that yeah. valley sports north did not broadcast the anthem and thus right after the anthem our people racing of united together with the player on one knee holding his fist up that that was not broadcast i think that's true i was futzing cool. with my uh extremely legal connection uh <laughs> so i can't say necessarily with a hundred percent certainty what did or did not happen on valley sports north uh but i did not see i saw neither the anthems nor the tifo tifo cool um and then in terms of the actual atmosphere during the game, I thought it's, you know, it, it certainly was not the typical wonder wall. Um, I think having RSL score a couple of goals, uh, you know, right before halftime sucked a lot of life out of it too. Um, also because there's not, nobody was with the people that they normally stand next to. Right. So I think there's, there's a lot of that um, still, oh, I'm standing next to people I've never met in my entire life. And I, the last time I did that was the first time I ever attended a Minnesota or a, a Minnesota stars match. Right. It was the last time I did not stand next to somebody um, that I absolutely knew and, uh, and was a friend with. So, um, so that was a little weird, but all in all, I think the, um, and again, I, I've heard varying rumors about the 
the ability for the chance to get going. Um, it's going to be, I think, for these matches, unless there's some sort of like coordinated on social media, hey, here's the chant we're starting. Um, and people are like deferring to one or two people to help start those. It's going to be a lot of disparate chants. And it's going to be a lot of MN, UFC, and the United back and forth calls. I think that is unfortunately um, really because those are the simplest chants and those are the ones that, you know, everybody knows from our days at TCF and, and, you know, last first year at Allianz, I think it's gonna be a lot of, a lot of that uh, for the next three games. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's definitely what came through on the broadcast was MNUFC, Minnesota black and blue, like that, that stuff came through. Okay. But anything more complex than that was just kind of lost. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is going to be a learning process. And hopefully not for super long. Hopefully that, you know, like New York expanded capacity in stadiums to 33% today. So hopefully Minnesota will follow suit sooner rather than later, assuming that can be done here safely. Um, but I mean, maybe it's something where you get a text chain going or, you know, the there's an email list of like, okay, we're, we're actually going to, it ruins the organic nature of it a hundred percent, but it may just be what has to happen because nothing is as it should be right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Anything else on the atmosphere or anything, MJ? Or do you want we should, should we should probably talk uh, for at least a few minutes about this stupid game? So, all right, let's let's talk about this stupid game. Um, so, is there anything you guys want to say before we jump into, uh, or anything you want to highlight before we jump into the RSL goals? Because I think that is like probably the obviously the defining moment of the of the first half. Early on, Minnesota was dominating possession, and it looked like the way that. Real Salt Lake was going to counter that rather than scoring goals was to foul the shit out of us. And right. there were several pretty hard fouls uh, by RSL against our players that I won't say went under punished, but it was kind of like these, there's only so many yellow cards that different members can get before the ref should talk with a manager or a captain and say, Hey, you can't be just doing that, you know, sending a different player hard at, at the ball carrier, you know, every five, 10 minutes. I think that is going to be the defining. I mean, that'll be one of the defining characteristics of how you play against Minnesota United this year is you follow the shit out of them, especially since it doesn't seem like refs are going to uh, make those calls against, um, you know, against us. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely don't want, Babelo running around with the ball, like just follow the shit out of him. And, and until you get, start getting calls and, and cards, why the fuck not? So. Yeah. I've watched a lot of MLS these first two weekends, not just the loons, but a wide variety of games. And it seems like league wide, there seems to be a desire not to card players in the first like five to 10 minutes of a game because it can change the game so much. And I get that from a conceptual standpoint, but the flip side is by not penalizing that you're essentially giving shittier teams like RSL five to 10 minutes to just hammer players. And that's not great for the league either. So I feel like we'll start to see that start to get rolled back hopefully sooner rather than later, but certainly by the summer. Right. The the one big note I had in this game is the game against Seattle reminded me a ton of the Loons' very first MLS game against Portland, where they gave up a goal, they started pressing, they really thought they had a chance to, to maybe get an equalizer there, and then just kept getting burned on the counter. And it, and it took a game that was pretty close and made it look like a blowout. Uh, this game 
also felt like the 2018 loons. And I would like that trend to stop. That's not a season I care to repeat. And we are now two games into it and stop it. Stop it. Put it down. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So let's, uh, let's talk about those goals. Uh, the first one, uh, was in the 31st minute, um, off of a, it was a loons. Was it, was it a set piece? It was a set piece. Was it a corner? Um, that got, uh, recycled out or was it a, was it? Okay. Yeah, it got recycled to Bettinaire. And who's Bettinaire who, was kind of in a center back position. Yeah. He was way, way, way up there. Um, with, with his power behind his shot. I like him there on a set piece. Yeah. But there was just, that, that if he is in the center back position and stepping forward, that means will trap Boxel, you know, uh, Ratala and well, Boxel was, Boxel was up, up as well. Like it was, it was, it was Ratala, Gasper and, and will trap that were the ones who were, um, and it was really, it was only, it was basically will trap because the yeah, ball it was just, it was just will trap and men there that yeah. were back. So, so let's say, so let's say, let's tell people what happened. So the ball sort of ricochets uh, to Anderson Julio, who, you know, takes it and he's playing in his first uh, MLS match, um, Ohlone, uh and he just runs at uh, Will Trap. Will Trap doing everything in his power to not fall over, pretty much like side running, uh, running forward and kind of turning around. Uh, Anderson Julio attempts to pass it basically attempts to cross it near the top of the box um and which is a, a was a stupid move honestly let's let's call a spade a spade there and unfortunately chase gasper like one touches it right to rubio rubin as opposed to like booting the ball uh, away from the goal um one touches it right to rubio rubin who's who's basically been trailing uh anderson julio uh who then chase gasper uh you know lunges for and i don't know if he wouldn't have get caught gotten called for a foul at the top of the box if anderson julio hadn't scored the goal anyways rubio rubin gets the ball to anderson julio who uh he takes a really good shot honestly and, and dane sinclair was kind of in no man's land there there's not much he could do uh for the first rsl goal i initially thought that gasper had control of the ball and chose to try to spin move middle and 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 drive up the field that is not what happened. He tried to like, no, he tried to, to control the ball. So when the pass came across, he tried to like delicately, you know, have soft foot it to himself. Yeah. And it just had this big ricochet back to the middle. And to Kendra St. Aubin's point, you have to just boot it out, take the corner, take the throw in that's close to your, your goal, whatever. But you, you don't try to feather that, that ball. You just boot it. Yeah, it was the first of many, many mistakes for Chase Gasper on the evening. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, the second one, uh, which was the about literally ten minutes later, uh, RSL again this uh, capitalizing on a Minnesota United defensive mistake. And Dan, to your point, 2017, 2018 loons, you know they made three or four mistakes a game and uh, defense like big defensive mistakes, and the other team would capitalize on two or three of them, and, and we lose the game. Um, uh, I don't even know what. Who Chase Gas was was he was Gasper trying a back pass to yes. St. Clair here? And yeah, just, he and, was going and, for a back pass. And just put him, you know, whatever, whiffs on it and put, like puts the ball on a fucking platter for Rubio Rubin, who's just who's again, we know Chase Gasper is not the fastest dude, is just sprinting right by him, uh, who just tees it up directly for 
uh, Anderson Julio again uh, for a brace. Um, you couldn't have asked for a, a better pass from from Rubin uh, to Anderson Julio. So, and it made it two nothing right before the halftime, and that really um, was a, a pretty deflating goal. There was a miscommunication on the defense where Rytala and Gasper both had a chance to play that ball. And Rytala backs away, boxing out uh, Rubin to let Gasper take it and go forward. And I think Gasper thought Rytala was backing up behind Rubin to be kind of his safety for the pass back. You can't know for certain what's going through Chase's mind at this point, but it looked like he was expecting Vitella to, instead of, you know, be boxing him out on the front side, to be dropping back behind Rubin. Um, Vitella was thinking that, hey, I box this guy out, just go forward and do Chase Gasper shit. Um, so, you know. Don't play defense. <laughs> I stopped uh, playing defense. <laughs> and so it, it, it looked like a very unfortunate, you two don't play together that much. Um, Vitella's not really a center back. Um, and so it just, it was super, super unfortunate. Um, you know, Boxall's tracking back with the ball. And on the second goal, it's very, very telling that Gasper, Boxall, Vitala, everyone except Metnair, who knows that he needs to catch up with uh, uh, Julio and does not catch up to him, are looking, he's like, oh, there's another person crashing in. Three out of your four back line are all ball watching, looking at the ball, and only the weak side one is trying to catch up with the trailer. That's not good. Like yeah. all four of those guys should know, you know, that it's a two on zero situation. And yeah. it's not like they're young players, right? This isn't a, a, an issue where Kibben Gucci just isn't ready for MLS speed or, uh, you know, Jose Aja or something like that just can't can't quite get like these are all veteran MLS defenders. They really should know better. I've said yeah. this before on this pod. Gasper, especially in defense, can get huge tunnel vision. And you know, whether that's ball watching or in man marking, kind of focused on his man and then following his man out of his kind of zonal marking area, you know, just really big tunnel vision. And it's just something that he has to work on. Yeah, and so I mean, in the second half, it, it wasn't much better uh, to start the second half. Uh, RSL almost had two more goals, uh, but for Dane St. Clair standing on his head. And, and we should point out, I don't think either of these goals were on Dane St. Clair no. for, for RSL. No. Um, he was just put in a, a really bad position. So, um, But saved their ass, kept, their, kept them in the game for the longest time. Uh, 86th minute, Minnesota United finally gets their first goal of the season from uh, who, you guessed it, Robin Lude. Uh, on the on the right, uh, assisted by uh, McMaster, which was a great a great a great sir side volley uh, off this uh, this pass to Robin Lude, um, who who honestly probably could have had two goals in the first half as well. Like he had a he had a, I think he hit a post once and then just put one just wide. So um, Robin Lude uh, gets the first goal from Minnesota United, um, but unfortunately that is how the game ends uh, two to one. Any. Any other thoughts on this Minnesota United goal before we're going to get into the uh, David Ochoa shithousery uh, conversation? I actually like that Keith made adjustments. He made subs before the 75th minute. Not five of them, but three. He made three subs. He, he shifted the uh, formation 
from a 4231 to a 433. And those things seem to make a difference. And at least he was trying to make adjustments. So yeah. Yeah, I should say he he brought in in the 65th minute, brought in McMaster uh and Dotson for Finley and Gregus. Gregus had a uh, we'll talk we talked probably a little bit about Gregus in a little bit. He had a really bad game, bad couple of games. And then in the 75th minute. Uh, brought in Ozzy Alonso for Juan Agadello. So those are the the changes that Minnesota United made. So Dan, anything else uh, from the actual game itself, uh, or do we just want to dive into shit houseery? I think we got to point out at least one other thing, which is uh, down two nil, needing a big fast start to the second half. The Loons should have had it. Like as much as RSL should have scored another goal or two, uh, I think it was the fifty third or so there was a, a pass in the box that landed right at Ethan Finley's feet oh, with right, the goal, yeah. absolutely begging. And he blasted it wide. Uh, obviously in that position, you always want to score. There's literally never a bad time to score a goal, but in that like, the loons needed it. They, if they had gotten that goal, I think they probably go on to get the draw because RSL didn't want to play in this game. They looked horrible. They were just gifted two goals and they knew what to do with them. So super good for them. But like Minnesota could have come back and gotten at least a draw in this. And the ball fell to the guy in the attack that can't score. And that's not something Minnesota should have. It's not something any good team should have. There shouldn't be a guy in your front three or four that you're like, fuck, if it falls to this guy, he's not going to do the right thing with it. Right. And we should also point out too, um, we didn't mention the lineup. Um, they had uh, Agadell started up top with Lude on the right and Finley on the left um, an inverse from what, you know, Adrian Heath was doing a lot last year, which was Lude on the left, at least to start the season, Lude on the left and Finley on the right. So uh, I think it was, it was interesting because obviously Adrian Heath wanted to get Lude and hit the best position to do the most damage. Um, it sucks that we don't have anybody else on the left right now, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so let's get into uh, the David Ochoa shithousery. So uh, at the end of the match, um, basically Ochoa boots the ball into the wonder wall. Uh, he had been, and anybody who's watched David Ochoa, apparently from his uh, USL uh, days, he's a, he's a, he's not a, I won't say a master. He's a, practic- a practitioner of the goalkeeping dark arts. Uh, yeah. Very much a time waster. Uh, if you've watched the goal, um, Chase Gasper goes to get the ball uh, from uh, Ochoa and Ochoa, the ball gets away from him and he grabs his, his like grabs his calf, like Chase had stepped on him or something. Um, when McMaster definitely... went hard, you know, McMaster went hard into him. I think Lude had this great ball on, on net and yeah, McMaster was going hard near, near side, crossing all the way over and kind of landed on him funny, but it didn't look like this was a very hard, like, not like McMaster put all his weight on, on him and Ochoa's flopping around like a fish. He's no, rolling yes. around, flopping around, holding yes. his back. Absolutely was. There was a few times. And then, and then to be fair, uh, I was, th- I was like right behind the goal. So um, there was some uh, relatively drunk guys, uh, basically a group of like six or so dudes who were going after David Ochoa. And, and I will, I will honestly, I would say they said some borderline, um, not racist or anything. I mean, I know that there, apparently there was racist. Like the yeah. P chant was was at least heard on the on the audio broadcast at one point from 
the beer hall end. Um, I didn't hear any like uh, homophobic slurs or anything like that, but there was some, uh, I would say over the line uh, shit that was yelled at David Ochoa. But I mean, that's also, you know, when you're uh, doing the shit houseery, you got to expect some shit houseery back from the fans. Uh, suffice to say, he kicks the ball into the stands. Uh, people come uh, busting out after him. Uh, Hassani Dotson, Michael Boxall, uh, Inchi. Um, I think Gasper was part of that. There was, was, was a yeah. whole a whole kind of like melee of just basically like, what the fuck are you doing, kid? Like, you know, you're I know you're 18. I know he's 18. I know, you know, he's got a, uh, you know, he plays with a lot of energy and stuff like that. But um, you can't kick a ball into the stands because that's just inviting fans to throw shit at you. And that's not what we want uh, from uh, this team or this league. And, you know, antagonizing people like that um is is you know unfortunately it's you getting antagonized but you know people calling out your failures at the u at the u23 olympic qualifier that's par for that's what you signed up for when you become a, a soccer player um you know not racist and homophobic shit um which again i don't i, I don't i didn't hear any of that stuff so it's very possible he may have heard something whether it was in the first half and he was frustrated uh and but i didn't hear anything from my part of the wonder wall but again, that's what you kind of what you sign up for when you become a professional uh, soccer player. Not the yeah, again, like just them that shit houseery. I was talking with a couple new friends at at Blackheart, and they were saying they overheard some people yelling at David Ochoa to go back to Mexico, being completely ignorant that he was not Guillermo Ochoa. Which oh, okay, is, I did not hear like, that. So which that, which is like racist. That is and racist. Ignorant and uninformed. It's like like the trifecta of, right. of ignorance, if you will. Uh, and, and so that's just that's a fair point, MJ. I, I will say I didn't I did not hear any, I did not hear any of that, but there I it does not surprise me that a bunch of uh, white boys from Minnesota yelled some racist, ignorant shit at uh, David Ochoa. I don't even care if it was Memo Ochoa. Um, right. It, 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 you don't tell. Uh, uh, you know, go back to Mexico is is not something you yell in the United States at an opponent. I'm all for getting inside goalkeeper's head and heckling them to shit. But um, the, you know, the dark clouds do their homework. You know, I used to sit in the, the beer hall section behind Jim Oliver and, and David Smith and Wes Verdine, and they would just go to town on goalkeepers, but they, they kept it at the, at the proper rating. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's way, way, way across a line, and there's there's no place in the game for that. And I'm I'm actually really disappointed to hear that that stuff was coming from either either end the the Wonderwall or the the Beer Hall. Also, Memo Ochoa is an extremely distinctive looking person. Yes, like, he he has really notable hair. Right, like this is you are completely right, MJ. This is independent of that. Completely ignorant. It's awful. It shouldn't happen. But also. How fucking dumb are you to not know what Memo Ochoa looks like? Like the 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 very curly, like typically dyed blonde, like that's very distinctive. And David Ochoa very clearly doesn't have that. So like at the very least, like Google it. Like, man, I just feel like this isn't Memo Ochoa for some very notable uh reason. Yeah. Uh so there were some choice quotes uh after after the game about this. Uh Inchi went after uh Ochoa. Um, calling him not very good. Uh, Michael Boxo called him, called him a clown and a kid. Um, and, you know, Freddie Juarez, to his credit, kind of took everything in stride and said, 
listen, he's, he's young, he's, he's fired up and it's, you know, not excusable, but we'll, you know, we'll talk to him. So I don't know. I don't know if, what it will come of this in terms of uh, if he'll get any suspension or fine or anything like that. I, I doubt it. Um, but there, it is, he will. it is part of the, well, I'm sure I'm sure it won't be a suspension. suspension. I'm sure it'll just be a fine or something like that. Um, but there is an MLS, uh, the MLS player code of conduct. It, it specifically says uh, you can't kick balls into, into the, to the fan section. So. Yeah. Love- here's, here's oh. where I come down on this. Like, and, and I, I took a bunch of shit from RSL fans being like, Oh, lives rent free in your head. Like I could not care less if he had booted the ball down the entire length of the field, turned around and flipped a double birds to the wonder wall. I would have laughed my ass off. That's hilarious. That's yeah. good. T- that's good times. But the reason that you don't boot the ball into the stands is you lose control of what can happen. So I referenced the Sporting Kansas City uh, New York Red Bulls game in which Kaku turned around, blasted a ball into a dude's face. And now three years later, that dude still has post-concussion syndrome. Like, yes, there were not a ton of people in the stands. Yes, he didn't kick it as hard as Kaku did. But this is a situation in which you can do inadvertent damage. And there's a reason this is in the code of conduct. So, like, by all means, shithousery, that's great. I saw somebody, MJ, it might have been you, point out that you actually do want David Ochoa to learn these things because it's going to be useful in CONCACAF. Uh, Which, yeah, okay, I buy that. But, like, this is the one line you don't cross. This is the thing that you don't do. And I think he ends up hurting himself more than anyone else by this one he will either be suspended or fined i think he'll be suspended two games which is what kaku got and then they'll let the the union appeal down to one which that's that's fine by me i don't have any any problem with that as a punishment but what he has basically done is inadvertently told every capo every fan section every coaching base that his head isn't quite at a professional caliber yet yeah so Every fan base is going to be in his ear. They are going to figure out what his buttons are. He has made his life a lot harder. And I don't, I, Minnesota will play RSL one more time this year. This is not going to be some ongoing saga as much as people on the internet want it to be. Right. But you're, that's a that's a great point, Dan, uh, that David Ochoa kind of fucked himself at least for, for a while until, until he proves that he's, that's not going to, he's not going to let it get to him. So, and he's already, right. he's known to, uh, to, uh, you know, bobble a few balls here and there. So if he ever fucks up again and he, he, and he did in this game, he, he almost, did, yeah. he almost, he almost fucked up again. So um, every time that happens, um, they're going to be chanting uh, Guadalajara at him or something. So yeah. um, in terms of the U S the U23. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, let's clarify failures. that. Yes. Yeah. In terms of the U 23 <laughs> failures, not to, to go back to Guadalajara. That's I want to make that perfectly, perfectly clear. So and like, I, I actually disagree with Inchi indulging him. Like I, I basically, if I, if I had had my preference, if I could have conducted this situation perfectly, which I am not allowed to do yet. And I am very chagrined about this. Like I would have said basically, you know, something to the effect of, yeah, it's not what you want to see. Uh, hopefully the, the veterans on his team will get in his ear a little bit and just tell him it's not appropriate. But Inchi like playing into it, I think is what is giving this, like is giving, uh, external commentators the latitude to be like oh new rivalry yeah. but also minnesota doesn't have a rival because kansas city doesn't really count so maybe yeah. that's what they're going for i don't know this is a tempest in a teapot to me i think he gets a game suspension i think he hurt himself more than he hurt anyone else and i'm frankly just so sick of talking about it 
it is it literally is the like the worst thing on the internet as a Minnesota United fan right now because you had uh Matt, Matt Doyle weigh in on it with a, a interesting um and incorrect take. You had uh, Alexi Lawless uh weigh in on it with a uh just a, a, a typical Alexi Lawless quote. I'm not gonna uh, indulge either of those guys by by you know telling what people said. You can go find Matt Doyle and Alexi Lawless on Twitter if you really want to know um what kind of clown shoes stuff they said. So MJ, uh, any last words on uh, Ochoa? I love how fired up Boxel was at the end. I mean, Hassani, you know, going right at his former U23 teammate and letting him know what's what. But Boxel was really fired up and not in a out of control way. Not in a, I'm going to fight you. I can't remember who it was that, that Stephen Kerr, the goalkeeping coach from Minnesota, had to like separate. But he was he was having words with someone on Real Salt Lake about what's what. He he called him a clown in the press and then ends with and you can tell him I said that, which which I absolutely love. Yeah, um, I fucking love Michael Boxall. Um, and then to, yeah. I'll, I'll just end on the on this Bridget McDowell and I will just have to paraphrase this because I don't have the quote, but it was just like if we'd seen this this fire from Minnesota United. In the 90 minutes of the day we're playing on the pitch we maybe wouldn't have to deal with all this and it, a, I, I thought that was a very clever uh point made by Bridget McDowell it's a, a perfectly a perfectly valid point so uh all right well, let's let's do our Freddie news real quick let's start with Minnesota um Dan let's start with you yeah so not a lot of good Freddie news in this game uh my mm. good Freddie do though is boxy um both both were being the beautiful elder statesman that he is uh, after the game, but also identifying that the left side was getting torched and really both altering his position and his rotations. There were a number of times where Gasper would have been caught out yet again, but Boxy rotated in really, really nicely. And, and Ritala didn't, um, didn't clothe himself in glory in this game, which I'm going to attribute to just being new and not really knowing his teammates, but Boxy covered for him really well as well. Uh, my bad Freddie Adu goes to Adrian Heath, um, both as coach and as GM. So I kept thinking about this game. I mean, perhaps unsurprisingly, it really stuck with me because it was just so crappy. And it was a level of crappy we haven't seen from this team in a while. And the thing I come down on is Gasper played miserably badly. I tweeted during the game, and I stand by this, that this will likely be one of his worst games ever as a professional. No matter how long he plays, it's going to be hard to get too much worse. And I realized later that's actually kind of unfair because going forward, he crossed the ball really well. It was one of his best offensive games that he's had, minus scoring the penalty against Columbus low those many months ago. And so to me, what it seems like happened is he knows that there's no left side help offensively. So he's pushing way too far into the attack. He's trying to do way too much there. MJ, I think your point about him having tunnel vision is, is extremely prescient here that he now is thinking of himself as an attacking wing almost because there is no one on the left side to do that work. And it is leaving his back completely vulnerable. Now that doesn't cut in middle. And so, yeah, so he's the wide, he's the wide out. And, and so that doesn't excuse him leaving a back pass short. It doesn't excuse some poor effort on some other plays, but I think he's just flat out trying to do too much because there is no one else there. And that falls to me to Adrian Heath, the general manager, like this team, we talked as soon as we lost, as soon as Kevin Molino said that he was not returning left wing is the biggest need on this team. 
and months and months and months, and it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. And I understand Nico Hansen came in and is now hurt, and so that's not an option. But figure it out. Right now, the, the Loons offense is so bad, it is causing the defensive frailties that yeah. are absolutely torching this team. And I'll finish with a second bit of this, and I'll hand it off to you guys. I, MJ, you are, again, correct on this. So you're, you're on fire to start the show. Uh, Inchi did make earlier subs than usual, the first 45 of that game was so bad, so absolutely flaccid in attack, and so vulnerable at the back. The fact that there wasn't halftime subs was a mistake to me. Pull off Grey Goosh. Pull off, who was horrendous. Pull off Will Trap, who's been uh, defensively exposed a couple of times. If for no other reason than to show them, guys, you are not invulnerable you are not penned into this starting lineup pull off finley for crying out loud i'm not telling you mcmaster finishes that goal i'm telling you he doesn't miss it as badly as finley does so i I could do an hour on this it was basically (laughs) just me screaming at adrian heath but those are the two big failures i saw in this game from him it's this that's a really good podcast for this um i'll I'll go next and then mj i'll go quick because i i echo you on boxy i don't need to uh, expounded anymore and then my other my uh shitty friday to do is chase gasper uh particularly for the points you mentioned about just um just two howlers defensively that directly led to two goals is you, it's really hard to get back from there i think you make a really great point with gray goose he's had two particularly terrible games and i don't know if that is just a a you know a one-off he's trying to get back fit or what but <clears throat> um we, we we need Greg Goosh playing a lot better. So MJ, uh, how about you? Uh, you do why don't you start with uh, Minnesota and then uh, and transition to over to uh, RSL. So my pretty news for Minnesota are uh, Asani Dotson. As soon as he came on the pitch uh, and we changed to a four three three, he was doing really good things on both sides of the ball, and in particular on Lude's goal, he's the one who passed it to McMaster. Um, he got a great run in behind a defender um, and passed into McMaster. McMaster crossed it over to Lude. So uh, I just thought that McMaster, his coming out party, super happy. Someone who looks like he is legit on the left as a rookie, that's great. But Dotson doing Dotson things uh, was a pleasant surprise, considering that he was shifted over to the right side of the pitch in the midfield not on the left wing, and he just looked more comfortable. Uh, my shitty Freddie Adu for Minnesota United goes to the entire back four, and you can probably extend to the back six. Um, picking up on the Gregoosh thing, the first game they were playing Gregoosh on the, the left and Trap on the right center mid. This time they switched it up, Trap's in Aussie's spot on the, on the left center mid and Gregoosh back on the right, and it just looks like they do not have the chemistry and the role definitions that Ozzy and Gregoosh had. Where you know Ozzy is going to be the one that tracks back, fill in for a center back or a fullback that's out of position, and Gregoosh can be more freer in the attack. It looks like both Will Trap and Gregoosh have gotten the green light to attack, and sometimes then they're both up. And that means there's no one to cycle in for uh, defensive. Will Trap did better at cycling in for defenders that were out of place or in attacking positions this game than he did the first game. But again, some of those goals, the back four, all not being aware of how many attackers RSL are attacking with, that's just the big uh, red flag for me. So, you know, that back four has to be better. 
All right. How about an RSL? Uh, what's, we can go quickly through these. I think we're, uh, yeah. So Justin Glad, he, he stoned Finley a, a couple times and tucked in from being a right back to a center back at times, just really giving us problems defensively. And then Everton Louise for a hard foul on Wiltrap, uh, kind of a, a, a takedown worthy of the world wrestling entertainment and got a yellow card for it, but uh, what an asset he is. And I hate saying anything bad about everything, but I'll say anything bad about everything. <laughs> uh, Dan? Uh, Anderson Julio was my good friend of you. Um, I, he didn't necessarily have the strongest game in the world, but you take two goals and you take them with a plum. Hard to argue against that. Uh, my bad Friday ado was Albert Rusnak, who ostensibly is this team's best player, although this was Anderson Julio's first game in MLS, so who knows? He may just blow Rusnak out of the water going forward. Um, but he just, he was pretty non-existent. He didn't make much of an impact. Uh, a little bit of a parallel with Reynoso. I think both of them felt a tremendous amount of pressure to do everything in this game, and it led to dribbling into some cul-de-sacs, looking for some fouls that weren't getting called, and kind of just not being effective. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I originally had Anderson Julio. Um, actually I, I would also argue Rubio Rubin had a really damn good game. Um, American striker, um, uh, American forward, sorry. Uh, I put it, you know, put in both the assists for, for, uh, Anderson Julio's goals. And then, you know, again, for the shit house three and for kicking a ball into the wonder wall, I got to go with David Ochoa for the shitty Freddie Adu. You don't get to do that and not get away with not getting a pretty shitty Freddie Adu from one of us. So, <laughs> all right that's the that's kind of the, the rsl we I, spent, I think we spent a lot more time on that than i actually originally wanted to but i think we worked out some 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 stuff so good good job guys i like uh we have a couple mj your question is great i want to kind of save that for next week possibly um but let's talk about this one big question here and then we'll we'll get into some other united news and uh the question is who is this team uh the team that got hot at the end of last year or the team that looked pretty abysmal after MLS is back. Um, so yeah, once they came back from from the MLS is back tournament, um, MJ, want uh, when we start with you? Dan made a comparison to the 2018 Bruins, and I'm going to go a little deeper and a little bit weirder and say it reminded me of the, the early 2019 Bruins, where just like Darwin Quintero had came in mid season of the year before. Reynoso comes in midseason last year and teams have had a chance to scout him. They kind of know what he does well and knows what he can't do. And some of those first games in 2019, you know, Darwin's not chipping goalkeepers for hat tricks any, anymore. They know that we want to play through him and with him and they double and triple teamed him. And we didn't have kind of the answers on cutting off off him for Quintero to play square balls or whatever like that. It looked to me like people knew what Reynoso wanted to do. And then Reynoso adapting fell way deep. He's helping the breakout back in Will Trap and, and Jan Gregush's era just to get space and to get the ball. And so now we kind of have a clusterfuck towards the, the, the rear midfield, if you will. And, and he was able to get, uh, the ball in that area and he was able to progress the ball and get some good through balls to Lude. But it, in general, it looked like with a half a season to scout Reynoso, teams know what to do. 
and we didn't have a good answer. So to me, it was like deja vu from 2019. Dan? Yeah, I think that's a good parallel. Um, you know, kind of digging through some stats, just trying to figure out who this team was, whether we were wrong to be so excited about them. On the other hand, it's two games. This is MLS. No one's going undefeated. So maybe we're overreacting. Um, some of the consistent elements I found, though, that's a, it's a little bit worrisome. This team only took five points last year from losing positions. Three of those came uh, in the MLS's back opener against Kansas City, where Melia got the red card. So that's a, I'm not not counting it, but it's a little bit of a weird situation. And then there were two draws that the, that the Loons were down at some point and came back to at least salvage a draw. And I don't love that about this team. Um, the other thing that, that really God worries... No. What? I'd say, God, no, that's not old. That's not good. <laughs> the other thing that really worries me is... Look, Reynoso couldn't put a pass wrong last year. And I think MJ's point is good. Some of that's due to him. Some of that's due to the defense. Kevin Molino was healthy and fit and had had a run of games that he barely had at any other time during his time in Minnesota. So he's playing great. We saw Lude being opportunistic. It seems like this team was playing towards the end of the season, really at their 95th to 100th percentile. And, and that makes me really nervous because it means that they need to do that again to win. And that's not how it works. If, if that was their consistent level of performance, it wouldn't be their 90th percentile. It would be their 50th, it would be their average. So that's, that's frightening to me. Uh, the thing that also has me souring on this team faster than even the results necessarily are warranting is boy, do they look disjointed. And they looked disjointed for a lot of last season too, but we there were a thousand excuses for it. Um, you know, it was it was weird COVID times. It was same day travel. It was coming back from MLS's back. It was playing at MLS's back. It was this, that, and the other. And there were a lot of reasons for them to be disjointed. But now that some of those things are gone, that most of this team had a full preseason together. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of these guys have now played a season, two seasons together we're still seeing a lack of cohesion. And that to me feels like a coaching issue. If this were a situation where we, you know, it was Raitala who wasn't getting blooded ineffectively. If Will Trapp was just a little bit lost. Okay. That's, you know, you don't want that from MLS veterans, but it'll happen. But we saw Dotson completely fade out of the game in Seattle. I mean, he was a non-entity um, and, and got himself benched, came in into this one and, and played well. We've seen Grey Goosh, who ought to be the linchpin of this offense, not really even seem to know where to be. It seems like there's overlap between him and Reynoso, but not in helpful ways in a bringing two extra defenders sort of way. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, towards the end of last season and in the offseason, we softened on Adrian Heath a lot on this podcast. Um, you know, I joked that I wasn't going to renew the heathout.com domain. Uh, but now I'm wondering if what we were seeing was a little bit of a mirage and what this team really needs, that cohesion, they're never going to find because that's something that coaching needs to bring. That's, uh, those are all <clears throat> great points, man. I, I have nothing... I don't really think I can anything other than, yeah, I, I apologize for, for even at once wavering on Heath out. I, I feel like this is on me. Um, I feel like I need to be the person that brings this team together. 
by my my consistent Heath outness and uh, the fact that I I wavered on it that I was very high on this team. I said I said two trophies, guys, uh, on the preview podcast. So <clears throat> I I don't think I don't think they are as bad as zero uh, and two and zero points and one goal for and what six goals against for a negative five goals in front. I don't think they're this bad. I also, but I, I, you know, and I hate to be so quick to, to reevaluate, but maybe they're not the top of the Western conference team that I think we all kind of thought they were. Maybe they're in that sort of four five, six ish area shooting for a home playoff game again. Um, right. Not one of the top two or three teams competing for a potential sporter shield and the Western conference, Western conference title, especially, I mean, MLS is weird. We all know this. We saw some really weird results uh, uh, two weeks ago for the first week of the season. Um, fucking Montreal has decided and Mason toys decided to become a striker and they're going to score a bunch of goals apparently now. So it, it, it's all, it's all strange, but um, so I, I don't think we, we I, I don't think we can say necessarily that Minnesota is a bad team there that they're, I mean, even, but he, 2019, they were the fourth place in the Western, in the Western conference, right? Even with their bad MLS is back after pre ML or after, sorry, post MLS is back performances. They ended up fourth place in the Western conference. Maybe that is what this team's maybe that's until they prove us otherwise. Maybe that's what this team's bar should be is fourth place in the Western conference. And we've seen that this team is actually pretty decent when it comes to knockout tournaments. And so it's just, it's kind of like hockey you just make it to the playoffs and you hope you ride a, a strong goaltender or a, or a striker or a striking, uh, a partnership like Molino and Reynoso where they just, they get fucking hot at, at the, at the end of the season. So that's not a, a sustainable model for success, clearly, obviously. Um, but that might be until we are, we, until it's proven otherwise, that might be what the, the ceiling for this team should be. And, and that's what we should expect. Last year, I talked a little bit about Heath in versus Heath out, and are the players better because of Heath, or are the players good in spite of Heath? And when I think about one of my consistent criticisms of this club, and that is defense, set piece defense, fast break counter defense, uh, defense and man marking uh, on in the defensive third. We've brought in different defensive specialists. I think Mark Watson was the guy before they brought in Sean McCauley. This is, you know, not surprisingly, he's an attacking player, one of his blind spots, not something he specializes in. But to me, it shows how much Ozzy Alonso and Ike Parra brought a defensive responsibility, communication, along the back line or the back six, and just a desire to prevent goals that is not necessarily because of Heath, but in spite of Heath. Yeah. Dan, any, any final words? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a, a good point. I think if we were to give Heath the full benefit of the doubt, though, we should be looking at a much better attack instead of Mason Toy scoring two goals in two games when he doesn't have to deal with Adrian Heath. Fair points. All right. Speaking of, uh, speaking of new guys, um, we have uh, officially, it was announced, I believe it was last Thursday or maybe even it was Friday. <clears throat> uh, Adrian Uno. Uh, am I saying that correctly? Unu. 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 
Yeah, Adrian, um, Adrian, 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 Unu. I just I did see his Instagram video uh, where I think he was at the uh, Minneapolis State Paul International Airport, basically saying how much he wanted. He was ready to sing Wonderwall. So uh, he's coming in as a DP uh, with a three year contract uh, with a one year option. Um, I don't think we have the actual official numbers on on him, but he's a, a proven goal scorer uh, at uh, at Ren. So um, it's exciting. He's a forward. So he should, you know, easily once he's available, uh, slot up top pretty regularly for Minnesota United. That, you know, that maybe helps free up some of the uh, left wing options with maybe pushing Juan Agadello over to the left, um, Ramon Abila, maybe possibly over to the left, and you know, and we also have another guy we're going to talk about here in a second that is supposed to have been a done deal. But um, any other any quick thoughts on uh, Unu? Interesting cat in terms of scouting. Uh, he's played 133 minutes since January 1st of this year. Uh, Heath attributed that to him turning in a transfer request and Ren kind of holding it against him. Uh, there was also a coaching change during that time. So that that may actually be pretty accurate. Um, you know, and that made me worry because obviously Minnesota United isn't flying scouts over to France this time of year uh, slash not legally. Uh, it's not like they can go scout practice or anything like that. Uh, so it was really interesting to me, Andrew Greeter reported that the Loons had had Unu on their discovery list for over a year. So this is a guy they've been tracking for a long time. He really was outstanding and some more playing time uh, for Ren last season. But that, you know, 2019-2020, those stats are, are a little fishy in and of themselves. So I'll be really interested to see what type of a player we get in this guy. Uh, but he he is a player the team likes a lot and has liked for a long time. So I'm very encouraged. Uh, I think, uh, MJ, you had a question in here about how soon he could play. I think it's two weeks. So I think at this point, it's now a week and a half or something like that. And I, I assume that anything regards the visa and physical and whatever all the other hurdles are, that that can be part of the two weeks. He doesn't, we don't have to wait for him to get his work permit or work visa and then you know, he asked the quarantine for two more weeks. I assume that's true. Um, although I do think you have to be in your home country before you get your visa. So it's just a question of how far along they were in that process when they announced the deal. So, but David, if you, if you saw him at MSP, uh, I in think the, that's in the, video. the video was, or it may, it may, maybe it was, it was, maybe it was a, it looked like an airport for sure. I mean, I, I can't determine for sure, but I was, so I would, I would assume MJ that, yeah, I would assume that, I mean, Minnesota has also not been super great about getting the shit, their ducks in an order, but with, with the, with quarantine and, and all this stuff, I'm sure they don't want him flying back and forth across, across the, uh, uh, the Pacific ocean or the Atlantic ocean. Um, so yeah, they assume, definitely don't want him flying across the Pacific. <laughs> so I would, I would, I would assume that they, that they got the thing like the visa and stuff like that um, put into place. And I would assume that, yeah, the, the work permit, stuff like that, that's all things that can happen um, while he is uh, at a hotel or, or you know, wherever they have, have him hold up uh, quarantining, hopefully not out at, uh, at the Nessie at Blaine in the dorms out there. Hopefully they actually put him up in a nice place. So all right, uh, and then our 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 almond cream boy. Um, apparently, this is supposed to be done. Uh, this is uh, uh, General Franco Fragapani. Um, it was supposed to be done by now. Uh, it was supposed to be done a few weeks ago. Uh, he's been playing for uh, Talaris uh, as well uh, during this time. Um, scored he scored a couple goals in some matches. 
Uh, and then MJ, you had you played uh, eight minutes. Uh, 81 minutes sorry oh 81 minutes okay yeah so say he normally starts for those guys uh 81 minutes uh was that was that match when was that match was that yesterday this this weekend i think it was saturday saturday so he's still playing for talaris um but yeah adrian keeps insisting that it's going to get done in the next 48 hours or so and the the 48 hour plan mj that's like it's the new three-year plan is the 48 hour plan yeah uh we, we've talked in episodes past about how the way Minnesota United, whether it's Adrian Heath or Christopher Wright or someone from the front office is saying something, the concept of time is very, very relative. Like you don't take lunchtime doubly so as two months or two weeks as two weeks, literally, you know, no, it's That's all like usually best case scenario. I'll say it's it's very Doctor Who-ish and it's like timey wimey, <laughs> wibbly wobbly. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh yeah, so I'm uh, not, right. I'm Go gonna ahead. rewrite Einstein's theory of relativity and just base it on like Minnesota United's theory of relativity and that's that would actually be pretty funny uh if you want to do it we have a website so um <laughs> all right and then finally uh it's some sad uh united news uh former minnesota united uh and uh minnesota yeah minnesota united in the nsl and then as well as in the mos uh matches uh ish jome uh is out for the season which is it sucks because he's been playing once he you know uh, was cut by minnesota um he's been playing uh, mostly in the USL, he's been he's looked really good the last uh, at least the last year. Signed a deal with Portland. Um, looked like he was going to get some time with Portland, um, especially considering they're playing in the the Concacaf Champions League. And uh, he was it, he tore his ACL at prime practice last week like on Monday. Achilles. Yeah. Achilles. Okay, so he looks like he's out for the season. So um, we wish uh, Ischom the best. Um, sorry, stupid cat. Uh, wish Ishjom the best uh, in uh, in a full speed recovery, and hopefully um, he gets back on the field uh, sooner rather than later. Yes. All right. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will have the Minneapolis City Minute. We'll talk about how much money Zeller and Wade lost this week, as well as uh, we have a, a guess our current loon game and uh, break down Austin FC, who actually looked pretty good on Saturday. So we'll be right back. You won't me. That type of dude and I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. Alright, and we're back uh, from a break uh, We all are now refreshed on, on new beers uh, or cocktails And we have our Minneapolis City Minute Which is making its triumphant return as the season is getting closer and closer. So uh, MJ, tell us a little bit about who Minneapolis city made some, uh, some announcements about who they're bringing in this year. They are adding winger Mark Bokeen, uh formerly of the 94 Derby rivalry, Viejo Somos Trapos. And they really like this guy. He's a, that's, the, that gives- that's, that's the green line Derby MJ. Let's call it, let's call it by the right name. The green Sorry, line Derby. Green line, green line Derby. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, David, for the correction. <laughs> um, so yeah, it they're they're bringing in him from Viejo Solon Trapos. He's someone who really likes to get in center back flying spots and make runs um, behind defenders. Liking that idea, 
And then they added an attacking, very young attacking midfielder uh, recently out of Augsburg was the 2019 Mayak player of the year in uh, Lionel Zhang. Uh, went to Roseville High School. So uh, both of those guys, uh, I think, will help the attack a lot. Uh, they also announced uh, two sponsor partnerships, one with the Hot Cloud Beer Razor that Christian is doing uh, for the, helping sponsor the futures and, and their player uh, scholarships, and also Pence Homes. So good on uh, Nate Pence and Christian Fitchett for stepping up and, and helping out Minneapolis City and their scholarships and that sort yeah. of thing. I think that's super awesome. I think that Pence Homes one it's not it it's i don't think you officially announced all the details of it yeah i think it's gonna be pretty awesome for anybody who knows nate and <laughs> nate pence uh and then the beer razor is really cool if uh just very quickly um follow go to the hop clouds twitter account they, they um christian broke it down there but basically if you donate any money to their futures uh and show and you know just screen grab your your receipt um christian and the hop clouds are brewing four different beers one for each of the four futures teams. You'll get your pick of any beer that you want. I think there's no, I think there's like almost no um, minimum on the, on the donation. So five, 10, 20 bucks, um, go to the, their Twitter account to make sure I'm, I'm correct. But then you got to show them your receipt. And they're also doing, uh, if you donate a hundred dollars, they'll give you all four beers um, as part of the deal. So you get, so any amount, you get one beer. If you do donate a hundred dollars, you get all four. And then there's some other prizes for the people who have the, the highest bids and the highest donations and things like that. So uh, it's really cool. Very cool. Their season opener is being pushed back. I believe it's Friday, May 14th or something like that. So they have this friendly preseason coming up Saturday, May 1st, 3 p.m. versus the Corinne Football Association, uh, the Corinne diaspora that's mainly based in here in the Twin Cities. And uh, it's only $5 at Parade Stadium. And if you've never been at Parade Stadium before, it's a hoot. It's fun. It's very local. Um, it's right between the Walker Art Center Sculpture Garden and Parade Ice Gardens Ice Arena. And uh, it's just kind of a low-key, super fun time. So uh, Saturday, May 1st, 3 p.m. That'd be fun if you guys got a chance. I mean, that seemed to be big enough uh, that plenty of social distancing and stuff. So um, I'm very excited for the for the Minneapolis City season this year. So not only that, but if you did not get in on this first lottery of Allianz Field tickets and you're really itching to watch some nice outdoor soccer, you know, get on this five dollars. Yeah. Gretchen got her uh, second shot at St. Thomas over the weekend. And so as I was waiting for her, uh, they were playing an exhibition against St. Olaf. And I don't think I realized just how much I missed live sports until I was completely enamored watching this game. But it really drove home for me how much I'm looking forward to the Minneapolis City season. Uh, just that outdoor experience, really grassroots, organic a great organization, a bunch of really great players. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to seeing you boys out there. Let's uh, let's do our, our, our fun game that we've been playing the last few weeks. Uh, guess a loon. Um, this one, he says a current loon, right? Yes. Guess a, guess a current loon. Okay. Cause we all know if I went into, you know, it's just too many people, too many names. If we went former loons, I could like 
former MLS loons and former NASL loons, I could like yeah. give you some hints. But we're gonna do guess a current loon. Uh, and by my records from uh, the last games that we played, it is Dan's turn to, to guess first. That seems right. That seems only fair because I think David beat me last time. So I did, yes. yes. That's my recollection as well. So uh, first clue. His daily habit is he drinks tea every morning. Adrian Heath? <laughs> I, the, coaching staff is maybe not out of bounds, but I, this is a player. So, uh, Nico Hansen. Mm. Number two has a wife, Vanessa, and two daughters. Boxy was last week, so otherwise that would have been my guess. Uh, uh, Baki Debasi. No. David? Uh, Ozzy Alonso? No. Three spent part of his youth academy days at New York Red Bulls. Roll trap. No. David. Mm. Oh, crap. You know what, don't you? I do, yeah. I don't. So I'm just going to say uh, Foster Langsdorf. Scored three goals in the Dutch era to visit. Juan Agadello. Very good. Ding, 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 ding. Damn it. All right. That's good. Good job, Dan. Good job, Dan. <clears throat> All right. There's no good reason why I chose him. He doesn't have a birthday coming up or anything, but he did get his first start for the Loons. And looks pretty good. Uh, I He did some good things. He did some silly things. I, I'm, I'm very like C plus, B minus on him right now. That's true. I was grading on a curve for how crap everyone else looked in that game. <laughs> that's, well, that's fair as well. All right, that's a fair point. So let's jump in. <clears throat> let's talk Austin FC, uh, who uh, this past Saturday um, played a hell of a good game and beat Colorado, the Colorado Rapids in Colorado in Commerce City, 3-1. to one. They come to St. Paul uh, this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, Minnesota United is uh, the favorite in this game. They are currently minus 139. Austin's plus 320. And the draw is plus 350. Um, so let's talk about a few of the players uh, and uh, slash coach or coaches that we want to highlight for for this. Um... So, MJ, I'll start with you. They took two guys from San Jose. One could argue the best earthquakes on the team, not named Chris Wondolowski in uh, right back Nick Lima and forward Danny Husen. Uh, Jackson Ewell. Oh. Okay. So, right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, your point still stands. Two, two of the better, two of the better San Jose players. Two, two of the players that are that were not protected in the expansion draft. Right. Blah 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 blah. Um, two of the best players they could get grab off of that squad. So, uh, yeah. So they get Nick Lima at right back and Danny Husen. Um, they also took Matt Beasler, the not ageless wonder. Uh, from Sporting Kansas City. Will he start? Has he been starting? I don't even know. He started week one. He did not start last week because his his him and his wife just had a kid. So I would assume he's probably back this week, but 
it's very well likely he might not be the guy who started in place of him. Um, kind of blanking on his name now. Actually, played a really a really damn good game. Um, uh, Julio, yeah, Julio uh, Cas- Cascante uh, played a, yeah. a pretty a pretty damn good game uh, in in place okay. of Beasler. So, yeah. So yeah. Um. Anyways, um, Dan, who uh, who who do you want to highlight? Yeah. Um. I'll briefly shout out their coach, uh, U.S. Men's National Team alumnus, Josh Wolf. Um, Wolf's a very well-respected up-and-coming young coach, which means he'll eventually not coach in MLS anymore and get pulled over to Europe. Uh, fun fact, though, the U.S. Men's National Team never lost a game in which Josh Wolf scored. He only scored nine goals, so this isn't like some great streak, but, you know, it's impressive. It's more goals than I scored for the Men's <laughs> National Team. Uh Two players I'll highlight, Alex Ring, who was their big money signing away from NYCFC. Uh, Ring is still an outstanding midfielder, uh, really kind of the the heart and soul of that, uh, or that's not a great way of putting it, really the the hub that their attack goes off of. Um, MJ is gesturing to me either to steal second base or to point out that he's the center of a 4-3-3. so I'm going to do both and point out they run a 4-3-3 and I'm going to go steal second base. Uh, the other player I will highlight uh, who may or may not affect this game greatly is Tomas Pochettino. Uh, he was their DP signing away from Tolaris where he was a uh, uh, teammate of Franco Frangapane, who allegedly will be a loon within 48 hours. Depends on your definition of the term. Uh, but Pochettino played well in their first game against LAFC. He looked really influential, looked really good, and did not play against Colorado. He's not hurt, but the league informed Austin of some, quote, player registration issues and have not really expanded on that. So it's pretty unclear at this point whether they will have their big DP signing or whether they will not. Now, granted, they're 0-0-1 when he plays and 1-0-1-0 when he doesn't, so maybe it's not that big a deal, but that's probably the biggest thing to watch out for in this week upcoming. Right. Um, I would, I'll, I'll throw it there. We're, we're not sure about Beasler yet. I, again, I assume he's back. Um, the other, the two other players I will sort of on your Pochettino uh, uh, tangent there, uh, Diego Fagundes started uh, in place of Thomas Pochettino. And uh, what I think he's a 10 year MLS veteran. The guy's been around for a long fucking time. Um, and he scored the first ever goal in Austin FC history. Um, so there's, he's got that. Uh, the other player I like to highlight is the guy who scored the other two goals for Austin FC. Um, the second DP signing for Austin, uh, Cecilio uh, Dominguez, who is a, a Paraguayan, um, most recently played for uh, uh, Inda, um, sorry, Independent, Independiente, Indi, Independiente. Sorry, I'm not doing very well with my enunciations, but he's played for uh, the Paraguayan youth national teams. Um, he started about 17 games for the Paraguayan national team. Uh, he scored two goals and they were two pretty, uh, pretty looking goals. So he is definitely assuming everything he's assuming he stays healthy. He'll be up uh, up top as well with either for Gundes or Thomas Pochettino. Um, and I, the one thing I also point out too, in terms of Josh Wolf is that this Austin FC and and everything I read about Austin and, and, you know, listening to the extra time podcast and all the other podcasts listen to about MLS soccer. um, The Austin, spite of Anthony Precourt being a a total fuckwad, they actually built their team pretty solidly from the back, kind of like Nashville did last year, but they actually 
sign some people who could score goals on like Nashville uh, last year. So it's an interesting team. They play a four, three, three. And yeah, with, you know, players like Beasler and uh, Alex ring um, a, a solid core of, of defenders. They're tough to break down. I mean, LAFC uh, only put two on them um, in their home opener. Obviously Colorado scored a goal, but then um, Austin FC shut them down after that. So how, how do you think we should focus on playing against um, Austin FC? I'll go first on this. Sure. Kendra DC and and Callum on, on the call said that, the Minnesota United need to improve on the transition both from defense to offense and, and springing the attack faster and especially from offense to defense. And that transition from offense to defense comes down to a lot of field awareness, kind of like, is this person trying something that's going to be 90% effective or maybe 50% effective and I need to maybe look at playing worst case scenario rather than best case scenario. And so I want to see a much better emphasis on defense and, and field awareness when they're in their attacking third. I think there's a temptation in this game to play too much mind games about what Austin does well, what Minnesota does well, and, and try to... The Loons need to play a good game. And if it doesn't match up tactically perfectly against Austin, I'm actually okay with that. I would be much happier if the Loons lose a 3-2 game in which it looks like they actually find their footing and start to string some passes together, start to develop some cohesion, than if they slop in a 1-0 win. And, and they look horrible doing it. And I realize that's an extremely Arsenal fan take on like, well, it should, everything should look beautiful. <laughs> Winning is secondary to being gorgeous. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, we're still early enough in the season that if the Loons can get their stuff together, that's really important. That's still far more important than any given three points here or there. So to me, the game plan should be built around who is available. Now, Abila should be available for this game. Who knows whether he's 90 minutes fit, but the one piece I think is interesting and, and could be relevant is Austin has tried to control the ball in both of their first two games. They've had over 50% possession in both games. So Minnesota has in the past been really effective on the counter, and it's a great way to cover some of those left side defensive frailties. So left completely to my own devices, I would hope Avila is healthy, put him up top, pull Agadello onto the left and then play some counter attack. Yeah. For the first two and a half years of this podcast life, um, David Martin and I just lamented every week when we, 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 this question was created because we were like, well, there's no way like Minnesota doesn't have a style or a system that it can impose upon people that makes other teams react to them. Um, we've, and I, they certainly have a, a system and I don't, but I don't think it's imposing. I think um, a lot of teams can find the holes in there as we've obviously seen here. Um, very susceptible to the counterattacks, especially uh, on that uh, right-hand side, uh, our, our left with chase. Um, and so I, I kind of agree with you, Dan. I, I, just, I really want them to use this game as an opportunity. And not that we should expect that we should, well, we should trounce Austin FC, although I think we should expect that we should trounce Austin FC, um, but to, to find our, our, you know, our shooting boots, if you, as you were, um, and to put a few, you know, I'll put a few goals in the net. 
hopefully connect Babelo with Abila. Um, again, hoping that he's 100% fit and can at least start the game. Um, Juan Agadello, again, as you, as you pointed out uh, uh, not too long ago, looked fairly decent in, in, in bits and pieces. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I think we need to, to your to exactly pretty much exactly to your point. We need to sort of play our own game and let let Austin uh, adjust to us. Which is, I know, saying that as someone who has been very critical of Adrian Heath's ability to make changes mid game is a uh, really frightening if we don't score two or three goals right away, <laughs> because who the hell knows? Um, Austin FC might be able to make some changes. Joshua might be able to make some changes and uh, and take it to us in the second half. Um, we've clearly been the the um, you know, the first game we were clearly the, the the worst, the more worst team in the second half. Um, I, I would argue that for the first maybe ten minutes or so of the second half last week, we were not great, and then we kind of turned it on. So maybe we're starting to find our footing. So uh, more importantly, guys, who's going to win the game? Uh, MJ. I really want to be wrong here. I want to be wrong, but they look really good. I know it's Colorado, and Colorado does Colorado things, but. We looked like we were Colorado. We looked like the last game. We were creating lots of good chances, and we couldn't finish. And to quote Issa Watch, everybody needs to go to striker team. So um, since we looked very Colorado-ish against RSL, I'm just going to say uh, Austin wins 2-1. Dan? I'm not quite that negative, but the one thing that has been true in both of Austin's first two games is they look really confident. Josh Josh has them playing as a unit. They are doing a lot of the things Minnesota is not doing. I think assuming Avila comes into this game, some of the offensive issues get worked out. I still can't pick Minnesota to win, though. They need to show me something they haven't in 180 minutes so far. So I'm betting the draw. All right, I'm obviously way more confident than you guys. I think we find our, I think we find our, our, uh, our goal scoring shoes this match. I think we win three to one. So I think we get that monkey off the back, um, get that first win, and then we need to go to Colorado and beat the hell out of Colorado in Colorado. Uh, so there you go. You don't play well in Colorado, David. We do not. I know that. I know. I know. Trust me. I know. I'm just... well, we don't play there. But you know, Colorado doesn't play well in Colorado sometimes too. So there's also that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, our perennial segment, uh, the how much did Zeller and Wade lose this week? Uh, last week, I started off. Um, Dan jumped in this week. Dan, why don't you tell us about uh, how much you lost and uh, what was, your, what was your, your, uh, your big loss there? Your bad beat, if you will. My bad beat. Uh, so I lost 175 this week. I was in the money going into the last two games, both of which I picked draws in. Uh, so I am deeply upset having uh having both of those been one goal losses uh but i'm particularly peeved about portland slipping in like a 73rd minute goal after what had been a very evenly matched match i i was sure i went to bed and i was like i'm gonna wake up in the morning and i will guaranteed be in the money for the week and then i lost 175 dollars of fantasy money let's yes (laughs) remind the audience that david and i are not pissing away thousands of dollars although this week maybe that wouldn't have been so bad for you right yeah no my wife uh finally listened to the podcast on like friday and she she cornered me and she's like you're not actually betting our money on this are you i was like no i'm not she's like that four months would have been a a very a a very uh high number in terms of the over under when you when i would divorce you so um so yes 
uh, I had a I had a really I had a great week, guys. Um, I ended up uh, five ninety uh, in the black, um, which puts me at uh, up five hundred twenty dollars for the year. I, I lost seventy bucks last week. If you if you do not recall, um, my you know my my biggest beat was uh, <laughs> it's not even a big beat because it was a just a terrible fucking decision. You can never you cannot make Cincinnati uh, uh, a big enough underdog for me to take Cincinnati again for the rest of the year. They were plus 625, right? So if I win that, I basically, if I lose every other week, or if I win like two more, I pre- I'm pretty much like in the money for, for the week, right? I don't even really need to win very often. Um, they got the shit kicked out of them by New York City FC, scoring, uh, allowing five goals on, on set pieces, all five on set pieces, two own goals. I think this is the first time in MLS history that five own goals have, or five set piece goals have been scored in a game and by by one team against the other team right so it was absolutely insane i was really pissed off that i even considered betting any money on uh fc cincinnati so wait a minute like this is fc cincinnati versus new york city FC. yeah and this cincinnati was plus 625 man it was it was a theoretically good yeah that plus 625 and your super ego is just absent it's out of yeah my it was just looking at that really good value of six twenty five, which apparently is not really good value. You got to give me like plus thirteen hundred to give me to bet on FC Cincinnati ever again this year. So, um, the other one that really fucked me was uh, uh Toronto losing to uh, or yeah losing to Vancouver. Like what the fuck Toronto. I I got beat on that one. My my eyes too big for my stomach moment was DC United at plus five hundred because they actually looked kind of decent in week one. I also I also had DC I also had DC plus five hundred too, bad buddy. You're not the only one. Look, the revs drew with Chicago. That's not something a good team does. So DC looks better than I expected. The revs look a little bit worse, and plus five hundred is cherry red. Yeah, but no, it turns out DC is still bad, and the revs are still good. Right. So, all right. Uh, let's move on. Let's... I know this shit. <laughs> um, so the Gold Cup uh, cities for this year were officially announced. And lo and behold, uh, no northern cities. Um, nothing above Kansas City. Uh, no uh, matches in uh, California, for that matter. Um, lots of, I mean, obviously, I think they were kind of do some things with um, keeping the cities close enough to each other in terms of being able to travel same day and all that. But um, it was kind of amazing that there was no Chicago, you know, Minnesota had, I think had been rumored for a little bit, especially that U S Canada game would have been really no awesome. If it, what's that? No, New York, no, New York. Yeah. No Seattle. No, uh, no, nothing, no, nothing literally above Kansas city. So Portland. no Portland. That's what nothing above Kansas city means. Um, Just making sure. <laughs> it's a, uh, the, yeah. cities, the cities are Frisco, Texas, Glendale, Austin. Austin's probably the biggest surprise there. Houston, Orlando, Dallas, Kansas City, Houston, different Houston venue, and Arlington. So basically, they're in Arlington. Dallas Dallas twice and uh, Houston twice. Yeah. Like, aren't these, aren't these games in, like, June and July? Right. Yes. And the, and the finals in Vegas. I don't I – don't, I don't, what? Yeah. Vegas in July is horrible. I yep. mean, like, I don't want to be sweating. Like, are you trying to have all of our players suffer from heat death or give give all the, like, Latin American countries an advantage? This is horseshit. Yeah. 
Uh, Sebastian Legette was fined and suspended two matches for uh, the the P uh, word that he used in a Instagram post um, after with a, with a teammate um, that was he actually did some he had some good stuff coming out right away and uh, it, copping to it and uh, apologizing and he did an interview with Out Sports um, to talk about it and, and you know what he needs to do and that he, it was not right he took full responsibility for it so I think that's why he got a I think a relatively slap on the wrist here for for using an uh, anti gay slur um, in a very public way so do you have any quick thoughts on uh, Sebastian Legend is this is this uh, justified. I really thought he was going to get more games and, and I was like all ready to be up in arms about him only getting two. And most of the people I know who are, are far more plugged into the LGBTQ side of soccer than I am. were like, Hey, that's great. And so I, yeah. I think I'm in the wrong expecting that to have been more, um, but I completely agree with you, David. I think his immediate contrition, I think deleting the post before a team official, before the league was like, Hey, you have to delete this. I think that showed that, he knew he screwed up and and accepted it. I, the other thing I think is relevant here is he didn't appeal it. So yeah. I I think if it was two games appealed down to one, I'd be salty about it. But it's too flat, and you know maybe that's pretty okay. Yep. Uh, all right, and then finally we have a we have some uh, Champions League uh, fever uh, games is coming up this week. Uh, in the uh, Concacaf version of this, uh, Atlanta United plays Philadelphia tomorrow at seven. Uh, Toronto and Cruz Azul play tomorrow at 9. Uh, and then Columbus and Monterey play at 7.30 on Wednesday with Portland and Club America playing on at 9.30 on Wednesday. And the returns of those legs are the following week, um, pretty much you know the same times. So any immediate thoughts on CONCACAF Champions League? We're going to have at least one MLS team in the semifinal, which is pretty cool. Go to hell, Atlanta. <laughs> Please, yes, let it be Philly. Yeah. I, I like the MLS teams that are there other than Atlanta. I, I think uh, Philadelphia, Portland, uh, Toronto, um, who, am I, who am I missing? Uh, Columbus. Yeah. Th- these, are, these are teams that can hang with the best in the continent, and uh, they play sound tactics. They play systems where the coach has instilled that system for several seasons. And so you have this, to me, a a solid base of, of these teams going forward. Something that it seems like Minnesota United is still figuring out what their solid base is or what their style is or what the coach wants. Uh, so I, I like the MLS teams that are in it. Yeah, should be noted with the, the obvious exception of the game that's got two MLS teams in it is that uh, MLS teams are at home on the first legs and then on the road in the second leg. So um, do not give up away goals uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, boys. Uh, all right. In the uh, Europa League, we have a semifinal coming up this week on Thursday. Man United plays Roma and uh, Villarreal plays Arsenal with uh, the return legs the following the following week. Dan, how are you feeling about your Arsenal, boys? Uh, you know, better, better than I was because it looks like will actually kind of be getting healthy um, for people who weren't paying attention uh, during the last international break, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang got malaria, which is really bad for you. Um, no that's shit. Not, that's not a thing that you want, uh, but he seems to be recovering. So I don't think he plays this week, but I don't think he'll be out for the season. 
they they looked dire against Everton. Uh, but you know, they have all season looked really bad in the league, and then seemed to be a completely different team in the Europa League. So uh, I think the big X factor here is Mikel Arteta knows at this moment that he's he is coaching for his job. Um, nothing Arsenal can do in the league for the rest of the season is remotely relevant. They're out of Europe, even Europa League. Uh, but if they win the Europa League and go to the Champions League next year, then it's pretty hard to fire that manager. So I, I hope what that produces is a great, intense response and not him getting so worked up that he just completely chokes off the offense. So we'll see. There's no easy games at this point in any tournament, but uh, I'm, I would much rather be playing Villarreal than either Roma or Manchester United. That's fair. All right. So when you beat Villarreal, who do you want in the final, Man U or Roma? So Arsenal hasn't lost to Man U in either the last two seasons, the last three, and I can't remember which. Um, I think that Man, I think Man U is still the more talented squad. So I'm inclined to say Roma, but this isn't as cut and dry as it seems. Roma's also super high variance. On their day, they're almost unbeatable. It's just that their day only comes like once a full moon. That is that is true. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then the Champions League final or semifinals, we have Real Madrid uh, versus Chelsea on Tuesday and PSG versus Man City on Wednesday. Um, th- this is like a, sh- you know, cheering for the meteor kind of uh, <laughs> kind of semifinal. Uh, I guess I was talking to somebody and as much as, you know, my wife's a Man City fan, so um, I like when she's happy and, and that she's happy when man city wins because of the, the two or four games a year she watches when man city plays Liverpool. Um, she's happy when man city wins. So, um, I should be inclined to cheer for man city. However, I really like watching, uh, Neymar and Kylian Mbappe play soccer. So I might be cheering for PSG on, on Wednesday. Not going to lie, guys, not going to lie. Do you guys have any thoughts on champions league? I just hope you have a comfortable couch to sleep on. That's all I'm saying. It's it is pretty comfortable. So I've I've been on it before. So um, <laughs> anyways, uh, all right. And then uh, I, I hate both Chelsea and Real Madrid. So I wish both teams could just be eliminated, and PSG versus Man City would play in the final. But whatever. It, yeah, it I think works. that's I think that's kind of what everybody would rather have as PSG Man City in the final. But uh, you know, say lovey. Uh, MJ, we had uh, we have some US, uh, UWCL semifinal first leg action happening. So for uh, the the Women's Champions League, uh, Barcelona and PSG played at in Paris, and it was one one. So Barcelona got a away goal. Um, they will play on May second, which I believe is a Sunday. And also on May 2nd is Bayern Munich versus Chelsea at uh, in Munich, uh, Bayern wins 2-1. So Chelsea did get an away goal, which might prove uh, important. It just seems hard with, you know, looking at the rosters and Chelsea improved the roster a lot in the off season, but uh, weirdly enough, not as much as maybe Man City did. Uh, they went, they went, they went shopping hard, uh, but Man City's not here, so Chelsea's here. Um, as mentioned last week, I really like that the four teams here are all from four different countries. Um, but you know, I really hope, being very biased, that 
uh, Vicky Losada and Yeni uh, Hermosa really just tear up uh, PSB in that semifinal in Barcelona. All right. All right, guys. Well, we did it. Uh, we made it through this podcast um, much longer than the last one. So, um, you know, not a big deal. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, please rate, review the podcast wherever you do that, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, com. Again, that Patreon if you want to get the beer. Patreon.com slash know. Uh, at TDIKMN on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan's at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui. We have been the Daves You Know. This is the Daves I Know. As you do yours, land here, become fee con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all, 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 y'all,